This is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Today's discourse asks the question, does twin flame love exist? So, for a period of time in the spiritual marketplace, probably for a decade or so, the twin flame phenomena was big business. And in recent months, we have seen that a lot of these so-called self-professed gurus and teachers have been exposed as the charlatans that they always were. Many years ago, I talked about this in podcasts, about the fake twin flame healers and teachers out there, that often uh, this was big business and that people would come together and pretend that they were these divine beloved couples and then charge extortionate amounts of money for courses and workshops and activations and meditations, promising to bring other people into harmonious union, but it was all a massive con. So does twin flame, in inverted commas, love exist? And what do we mean by that? The term itself has become so used and abused that it no longer carries any kind of positive energy with it. In fact, it has a kind of dirty, toxic energy to it. It's possibly safer, more relevant to say sacred union or divine union. Well, what do we mean by that? In the metaphysical esoteric texts, uh, we have the story of Yeshua, Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And this idea of the divine union, the sacred union, a union that is a partnership between man and woman and God, and that through that union, heaven is realized on earth, that we are of service, that we do good, that we bring healing into the world and that we raise the vibration. I mean, that's the kind of general, very simplistic premise of what divine sacred union is for. It isn't about workshops and money and retreats and uh, pretty pictures on social media. It's about two individuals coming together and their love, their, their love for each other and for spirit, for God's spirit universe, for humanity being so great that together they do good in the world. Together they raise the vibration, they do charitable works, they can do great healing and so forth. Lots of people have wanted this union more than anything. It's kind of an innate craving and so have sought to create it, uh, believing themselves to be with their beloveds and then forcefully creating workshops and retreats and, and so forth to spread the word. But what they're spreading is actually just nonsense. And it's based on templates, which are nonsense. Because the truth is that when beloveds come together, they don't need to announce the fact. They're not proclaiming it from rooftops. They're not selling courses on it. They're not making money out of it. The truth is, when we are of service, we don't make money out of it. We have our needs met, but we don't look to become millionaires out of it. And of course, these charlatans have been revealed for doing just that, for fleecing people, for making millions out of the misery and the confusion of others. 
healing is not something that we engage in in order to become multimillionaires. We do it so our needs are met. So from the beginning of time, there always has got to be, has had to be an exchange for healing, for the teaching, for the healing. And the exchange could be anything from food to shelter to clothes um, to protection to community and so forth. And over time, our ideas of exchange have evolved to mean money, pieces of paper or currency. But it wasn't always that way. Healers were often usually nomadic folk who lived outside of community and when they performed their healing duties for the community, the community rewarded them by giving them shelter, protection, respect, food, clothes, a home. And that's how they earned their way in the world. It's not a glamorous profession. It's not about likes. It's not about awards. It's not about press. It's not about accolades. It's not about being recognized. It's about just knowing that you're serving your community and your community values and recognizes you. It can be as small and as secretive uh, and as quiet as it needs to be. In fact, often the greatest healers are the quietest. They live amongst us and we don't hear about them. They're not busy promoting themselves on social media. They haven't got logos and business cards because those that are called to them find them. And there is a truth to that. Spirituality became big business uh, steadily, but it, it kind of exploded into big business 10 years ago and even more so in the last four or five years. To the extent that now it's just become a parody, it's nonsense. And it's very difficult, next to impossible, to find authentic healers to find those with integrity and to find those that truly wish to be of service. And so in amongst that maelstrom, it's also nigh on impossible to find your beloveds. The story of sacred union, myth of it, is that when the beloveds come together, they raise the vibration to such a high frequency that our world will change and that we will be in this kind of seventh heaven, heaven on earth. Now, if you think about all the people that have supposedly called themselves twin flames and beloveds over the last decade, we'd be living in Nirvana by now. We'd be in heaven on earth. But we're not. We're actually in hell. Our world is getting worse and worse. We're descending further and further into chaos, and it is the darkness that has overtaken at this time because people have sold their souls to the darkness in pursuit, ironically, of things like love and union. People have done spells, they've cheated, they've stolen, they've lied, done all kinds of things to be with this great love. The myth of the twin flame, fantasy, kept people locked in this horrific game of cat and mouse. You've got the chaser and the runner. You've got the one that has to be pursued and captured in some way because they're running away from themselves. 
and you've got the other that's all enlightened and is going to show them the way. But it makes no sense. Why would your beloved, why would your other half, the other part of your soul, if you want to believe that, why would they be this damaged addict that you have to redeem? Or why would they be someone that is so completely different to you that you have nothing in common? It implies that one is better than the other, one is more enlightened than the other. Of course, if we look at the story of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, that wasn't the case. They were both equal in their powers and in their ministry. They just held space in different ways and had different um, skills. We're not often told this story, but it is in the lost gospels, not in the mainstream. So when we meet our beloved, surely it should feel easy, simple, uncomplicated, like a coming home, and not this huge raging battle this turmoil. And what people were actually doing was getting caught up in a matrix, getting caught up in the darkness, and turning into quite horrific individuals and human beings, chasing people, pursuing people, stalking people, um, cheating on partners, not taking no for an answer, becoming obsessive. None of these things equate with love. Love gives us a sense of peace, completion, wholeness, steadfastness. Just like we know that when we go into a deep state of meditation, when we're deep in prayer, when we find our spiritual truth, when we're on the right path, things flow, we feel ease, we feel comfort. If there is turmoil and upset, something is out of alignment. And we were, we were taught, misdirected in the Twin Flame story, that that's because we need to do more healing on ourselves or we need to fix the other. And of course, both of these things create big business. And what you found often was that you had these endless workshops and activations and healing sessions and courses and all kinds of business that sprung up mostly for women. Goddess workshops, womb workshops, healing this, healing your ancestors, aligning with this goddess. Um, When the truth is we'll never be perfect, we'll never be healed of our trauma, we'll never be healed of our scars, we'll never be completely godlike because we're human beings. What we can learn to do is live with the things that have happened to us and do the best that we can. And we'll have good days and bad days. And some good days we will feel almost godlike. We will have calm and love and equanimity and compassion. And other days we won't and that's okay. It's part of the human experience. As long as we make amends for it, as long as we're aware of it. But these workshops and these courses We're teaching people that it was wrong to have pain. It was wrong to have trauma and to still feel that trauma. It was wrong that we didn't forgive. It was wrong that we hadn't found the lesson. That we weren't holding our our trauma as our battle scars proudly. 
They're not battle scars to be proudly worn. Our trauma isn't a badge of honour. Our trauma is a horrific thing that happened to us and should never have happened. But it did because man is human and makes mistakes. And at some point in our life, someone made a mistake and hurt us. That created trauma, it created a scar. Our scar is not something to be proud of. It's not something to, to, to boldly uh, place as a, a, a metaphor for our lives. It's a rubbish thing that happened to us. And it's okay to have days when we don't feel great about that and days when we're okay about it. There is no requirement to forgive. It's okay to not forgive. It's okay to hold resentment. Because ultimately, forgiveness isn't man to man. Forgiveness comes from the divine. We can let go. We can say, I surrender this to a higher power. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with my emotions around it. But I surrender this to a higher power. Because on the day of reckoning, when we pass over, it is a higher power that will call us to account for our actions. It doesn't matter whether our brother or sister forgave us or not. It's irrelevant. So we were tricked into thinking that if we haven't met our twin flame, if we haven't found our beloved, it's because we haven't forgiven enough. We haven't done enough of the inner work. We're not a goddess enough. We're not masculine enough. We're not feminine enough. And of course, this is big business. Because of course, we will never be enough. We will never feel enough. We'll never feel complete. Spirituality, when it is abused for business, tells us that it's never complete, that there's always more to do. There's always something further, somewhere further to go, and that is true. And the point of faith, the point of belief in a higher power is that at some point, we surrender it over and say, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to heal this. I don't even know if I can live with this, but I hand this over to a higher power that you will help me and you will guide me. And that every day I will do the best that I can and some days will be better than others. And that's why faith is so important and spiritual belief is so important. And people uh, during this kind of twin flame explosion replaced a belief in a higher power or spirituality or spiritual practice with a belief, a reverence of another human, whether it was the twin flame that they were pursuing or the teacher or the guru, who was going to help them come into union, all of which is just nonsense. So does twin flame love exist? Well, I guess the question is, does love exist? And how do we know it when we find it? How do we know it's true love and it's not manipulation or codependence or addiction? How do we know that it's love and it's not habit or fear or loneliness or attachment? How do we know that we're capable of love or that we want love? How do we know that we are open to love? Are we blocking love or is love simply not for us? It's a very complex yet simple set of questions. The pursuit of love, the pursuit of divine union, sacred union. Some people can go through their entire lives and not get that love, not find that partner not feel that they've experienced being with their beloveds, their soulmate, their twin flame. And others may feel that they 
they found it instantly. They found it when they were teenagers, for example. They find it later in life. Some are content with not having it. Some are not. Some continue to pursue it. Some believe it's not for them. There is no definitive answer to this. Do we push love away, possibly? Is the love that is for us the love that will always find us, possibly? Is divine sacred union for everyone? We don't know. Is it everyone's birthright to have sacred union? We don't know. Does everyone have a soulmate? We don't know. Have we been fed this idea of soulmates through literature, through programming, through our movies and, and what we've seen on our screens? This idea that we've had in literature and poetry, in, in the arts for so long, that there is this one human for which we shall yearn and who, when we meet and we're with, our lives will feel complete. Is that a truism or is that a falsehood? Do we have many people that we could fall in love with, could build lives with, but we choose one over all the others? And why do we choose them? Is it through habit? Is it free will? Is it choice? Is it predestined? Is it karma? Or is there one person that we are meant to be with? Wherever they are, whether they're on the other side of the world or down the road from us, that we are destined to meet them. Is there destiny? Is there synchronicity? Are two souls meant to come together? And why does it happen for some people and not for others? There isn't a definitive answer to this. Some people spend their whole lives and they never find love. They never find their beloved. And some people find various beloveds. <laughs> they have one in their teens and one in their 20s and one in their 30s and one in their 60s and one in their 80s. We can't know. We can't know. For some things, we can't have the definitive answer. And we can tie ourselves up in knots trying to get the answer, feeling that there's something wrong with us, that it's not for us. Or we can hand it over to a higher power. We can hand it over to the universe. We can hand it over and simply say, I don't know. I don't know if this individual is my twin flame, my soulmate, my beloved. I don't know if that love is for me. But I hand it over. I hand over the possibility of it that if it is meant to be for me, it will find me. If it is meant to come my way, it will come my way. And of course, practically in the physical world, we have to do things for it to come our way. We lock ourselves away in a cave somewhere. How are we ever going to meet the love of our life? And yet, we hear stories of people who meet in the most extraordinary circumstances. So therefore, do we believe that when there is that love for us, it will find us, no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, it will find us, no matter whether we're open to it or not? Or do we have to do all the right things, have the feng shui, wear the right colours, have the right incense, say the right mantras for it to happen? There are no definitive answers because one individual can be doing everything right and still not have that love. And another could be doing everything seemingly wrong and still meet their beloved. 
it's that sporadicness, it's that lack of order, almost that chaos theory that either makes us believe in nothing or forces us to believe in a higher power because we can't make sense of the senseless and that's a choice. So does twin flame love exist? That is a question that only the individual can answer. If the individual believes it exists, they will spend their life, their time seeking it because they believe it exists and they will look for it. And even when it's not there, they will create it, try and make it be there. And if they believe it doesn't exist, it could be right there in front of them and they may not see it. So it does really depend on our belief system. And the question is, what do you believe? Do you believe that twin flame love exists? Do you believe that sacred union exists? Do you believe that there's one person for you and no one else? Do you believe in love for a lifetime or lifetimes? Do you believe in synchronicity? Do you believe in soulmates? What do you believe in? And where have you got your beliefs from? Is it what you observed as a child? Have you got it from books, poetry, music, films? Have you created your own belief system? If we look at music, for example, we see that often the greatest love songs are songs of loss, of pining, of wanting to be with someone but not being able to be with them. And so we've been fed this thread for a very long time that love is suffering that love is wanting someone you can't have, that love is desire unfulfilled, that love is yearning, that love is painful. And is that true? Is love painful? Does it have to be painful? Because it's not so exciting, it's not so sexy, it's not so poetic that love be easy, that love be simple, that love be undramatic. And yet, maybe it is. Maybe that is the basis of true love, of true union. But again, that is only a question that can be answered by the individual. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Until the next time.